Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode 468. And when you ring in the dawn of a new era, you have to dress for the occasion. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Pretty good. How about you? Dressed to the nines. <laughs> Redressed. Or to the tens. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> and the eights. Ooh. <laughs> Spoilers. Ooh. <laughs> it's not like we didn't know they were coming, though. Right. <laughs> like they're not on the cover of the next book. Right. Well, it kind of splashed all over the uh, uh promotional materials too so what'd you guys do anything this week anything fun anything exciting we bought liam a swing oh what kind, our, like a backyard our, swing or one of the ones that yeah, like, in a like tree? a um it's a swing for our playset. we got a swing set back way back when and set it up and then he's finally sitting up well enough that we got a, a swing for a baby swing for him to be back there too and he oh. likes it a lot Sean, did you do anything this week? Um, yeah, it was kind of a, a, a standard week. We had uh, we had some friends over uh, on uh, Sunday for our, uh, our our game day. We've been playing Pandemic Legacy, which I think I had mentioned once upon a time that we joked that maybe this wasn't the year for it, but it was too late. <laughs> we were committed, and uh, we fared poorly back in August and lost both sessions. Um, so then for circumstances just being what they were, nobody was available in September because it's a game that you play either once or twice a month, depending on if you win the first battle or not. And uh, since uh, nobody was available in September, we knew we were going to have to double up. So we, we went barreling into October this weekend thinking, yeah, we got this. And we came so stinking close, but still lost. So then we played the second session, which kind of is like a redo. And got so stinking close and still lost. <laughs> so we've now gone, I don't know, four or five instances in a row without a victory. And we're all feeling pretty down and out about the whole affair. <laughs> so it's pretty accurate to real life then. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Considering the uptick we're seeing at the moment. Great. They bottled up 2020 and put it in a board game. Yeah, <laughs> Well, and the, the, the fun thing is we, we just hit the, because it's a, the, the point with the legacy games is they kind of have a, a, a story arc that unfolds as you play. And so we had just gotten to this big earth shattering revelation about what was going on story wise within this. It was like, are you kidding me? We've just spent the last four months getting all of this stuff set up. And now because of these circumstances, you want us to tear it all down again. <laughs> so uh, that was on top of that. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to say any more because I don't want to spoil it in case anybody actually decides to go out and buy the game. It's been fun, but it's also a very high stress. I saw a graphic on Facebook where they uh, plotted out, you know, the board games that you play with your friends and family and where they would fall on a chart of team building versus flipping the table. And we must be gluttons for punishment because everything that we enjoy, whether it be Catan or uh, um, uh, uh, what's the train one? Uh, Ticket to ride. Ticket to ride. Everything that we like is on the Monopoly end of the scale. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate Monopoly. <laughs> I don't think Catan is that table flipping. I wouldn't have thought so either, but man, they had it way up in the one corner. Guaranteed to, <laughs> guaranteed to lose friends and alienate people. <laughs> what about you, Glenn? Have you done anything? Oh, not really. Working. Um, 
watched a little bit more of uh, season one of Doom Patrol, which is still really good. And then uh, was still I'm still pushing through the issues of Tomb of Dracula, and I had forgotten until I got to the last one that I read that um, this was a series that introduced Blade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really, yeah. So his his debut was in uh, Tomb of Dracula, I think, issue nine or ten. And that was one I just finished. So I was I, I saw that. I was like, uh, is this really his debut issue? And I had to go look. And sure enough, it was. So it's very black exploitation, you know, <laughs> seventies version of of Blade. But it's uh, he's there nonetheless. So that was That's it. Cool. We should should we move on to news? Sure. There was quite a bit of news this week. Well, there was a lot of news this week. Well, a couple of big oh, items some... anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because. Uh... There was a Comic-Con that happened digitally. That's right. Virtually. New York Comic-Con. Yeah, New York. The first big thing that was revealed was a clip and a trailer from Daleks, along with a launch date of November 12th. Yeah, did you guys get a chance to check them out? I did. The trailer got me way more excited than the clip. <laughs> the clip doesn't <laughs> the clip doesn't do much. It it I think it gives you a feel for the action. Yeah. Um but the yeah the 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 trailer is really well done. I think what I really really like about it is it is very much modern Doctor Who melded with the old um, 21st century TV comics versions of the Daleks that used to that that ran back in the 1960s. It's very much a meld of the two styles, and I think that's really cool. And in fact, it goes. <laughs> kind of a, 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 a distance towards kind of canonizing some of the material back then as well by by using some of those visualizations. So I'm really super excited about it. I think the animation looks great, except for the other robots. The mechanoids look great. The mechanoids look great. But the <laughs> ones look like they're at a reboot. Uh, I don't know that they're that simplistic looking. I mean, granted, they're 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 going as simple as they can so they can kind of you know they don't have to spend a lot of money on it yeah i kind of wish they would have gone with a different style (laughs) you know instead of having them humanoid give them a different look yeah i kind of like them i thought that was kind of a neat design i guess i I need to see more of them just remember every bolt every view screen every tube it all has to be animated exactly that's that was the only sticking point for me it was just those everything else looks great Yep. I'm excited. It'll be interesting to see where they go with it. I wonder if Terry Nation is, like, jazzed. <laughs> well, from, the, from beyond the grave? Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he's, he finally got a Dalek show. It took forever, but, you know, we, we finally got there. Yeah. It's even in that Dalek's font. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just curious. I was, really so according per- to, uh, I was really pretty jazzed to see that the uh, mechanoids are back. And they've got that's a qu- the and they've got a queen. <laughs> yeah, but that's voiced by Ronnie. Yeah, from uh, Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah. Oh, is that the character that she's playing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, according to some of the details that came out, they've remodeled the mechanoids for the 21st century, and they form an uneasy alliance with their old foes. All right. Well, Which I'm what slightly it... disappointed that they're not just fighting each other. I kind of want to see that. Well, as part of the larger Time Lord Victorious narrative, that potentially makes sense. 
Yeah. Yeah, if they're having to partner up in order to take on a, a bigger threat. But let's be honest, we've all seen Dalek episodes before. We know they're going to betray him at some yeah. point. That's, so that's, that's, how the, that's how the episodes will end. Sort of the, sto- the story, Master. rather. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. Not a, there's not a long-term relationship brewing here. <laughs> what was the, the other, other big announcement? News. Yeah, two new games coming out. One for consoles, one for mobile devices. Edge of Reality, of new VR experience coming to all of the plat- console platforms, current generation, uh, in spring 2021, which you s- basically are the 13th Doctor and have her voice guide you through it. And the 10th Doctor has an exp- uh, either a role of some sort, it's not sure how big, but you're going to come across all sorts of villains including weeping angels etc etc now i know it says uh expanding on last year's vr experience is this one going to be solely vr as well though or can you play it without having the vr adapters for your console they haven't specified so i'm assuming not because i think that i think that would that sort of limits its marketability if you can only play it in vr um i know that the vr game that came out last year did relatively well. I mean, for VR being still so much in its infancy, but um, I just, I really think with them expanding to so many different consoles, of course, that I'm sure that this will be marketed on the, uh, well, let's see, I think it's the, the PlayStation, PC, no, was PlayStation one of them? I know Xbox was yeah. one, PC PS4. was one. Okay, PS4 yeah. is one. So, um, and I know the PS4 ha- already has the... Yeah, and I know the PS4. See, the, the Switch doesn't have VR capability, though. That's why I'm, I'm questioning if Ooh. you can play it the other way. See, and right as it as it stands, the Xbox doesn't, but the next model that's launching in December will or November will have uh, a VR set. What, 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 is, what is the name of this silly thing? The Xbox One XS One S. No, it's the Xbox 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 One X or the Xbox One S, depending on which size you get. Could have sworn we already had those. But. Well, it seems like we already have an S version. But anyway, I, I'd be interested to see if if it's VR only. I unfortunately, I just don't think that that's something that I would run out and get the equipment for. But if it, you know, if it's if you can just play standard gameplay on it, then yeah, absolutely, I'd, I'd run out and buy this game in a heartbeat. When they initially announced it, I saw somewhere that it was xbox one playstation 4 nintendo switch and steam but now it just says generic playstation and xbox so i'm not entirely clear which actual console it's coming out on the new generation or the current generation hang on i'm looking at the i think at the oops at the end of the video it has the all of the there it is uh so at the end of the video the is that where i saw it yeah at the end of the video god i can't get there you go Get out of the way! The little, the little next, the next video thing comes up over the bottom. It says PC, PS4, Switch, and Xbox. Now it's just got its generic terms, so it doesn't say specific consoles. But with the exception well, PS4 of PS4, with the with the exception yeah. of PS4, I guess Switch is Switch is specific VR, too. So. I guess Xbox is the only one that doesn't technically have its defined game. But but the fact that. Switch doesn't have a VR experience. Seems to maybe they that. maybe they will by they spring. But I mean, yeah. the Switch isn't even the Switch isn't even at uh, 1080, I believe now yet, if I remember right. I think they're still behind on a resolution. So 
I don't know. We'll see. But there is one coming to mobile. Yes, and another game coming to mobile. A different game. The Lonely Assassins is coming to mobile and Switch. (laughs) Which it is known as a found phone game. Yeah, the Switch doesn't surprise me because it's 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 also a mobile system because it has a touchscreen and everything too, and it's a smaller screen. You can take it with you. So this game sees players uncover and decipher a mystery of a found phone, unraveling a sinister series of events taking place at Wester Drumlins. Which, of course, was the house from Blink. Yeah. Someone is missing, uh, and a menacing new nemesis has emerged. Players will work with Petronella Osgood and other classic characters as they steadily get closer to the truth. It says other classic characters, but the video does it only shows Osgood. I mean, I'm sure there are other ones, and that they, they're kind of keeping it. They're just teasing. Yeah, yeah, they're keeping it from us so that we get surprises later. But um, I'd be curious to see who else they got into it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, this was the one when I first saw that they were going to do a mobile game, and I thought, uh, mobile game. They're not very, usually very good. But looking at the uh, trailer for this one, it it looks like it incorporates your phone in such a way that I think it 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 makes it more immersive than your standard mobile game. So I think it. I think it. I think the way that it looks like it's it's set up to play. Uh, might give you more of an immersive experience than just like a standard game. And I've never played a, a found phone or a mystery game on my phone, so I, I don't know if this is breaking new ground or if it's just some old hat at this point. I don't know. I've never played found phone game either, so on mobile anyway. Well, I've never found I guess you can only play a found phone game on mobile, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I play that all the time. Every time I lose my phone... <laughs> <laughs> Sean stands up and goes, found it! I so win a lot. Doing a slight bit of research, looks like they, Nintendo has created a VR kit for the Switch. Ah, Alright, well, should we move on to our reviews? The Knights, the Fool, and the Dead. We live forever, barring accidents. Just like everyone else in the universe, the Doctor travels back to the dark times. An era where life flourishes and death is barely known. Then come the Katara, creatures who spread through the cosmos dispensing mortality. They judge each and every species and decree it's a lot of time to live. For the first time, living things know the fear of ending, and they will go to any lengths to escape this grim new specter, death. The doctor is an old hand at cheating death. Now at last he can stop it at its source. He is coming for the Katara, ready for, to change everything so that life wins from the start. Not just the last of the Time Lords, the Time Lord Victorious. Bomb, bomb, bomb! <laughs> yeah, I quite enjoyed this as well. This was, um, wow, open with a bang. I mean, you, you, you have my attention. Like the prequel stuff that we talked about last week in the comics, it's like, yeah, okay, you know, it's, it's, it's appetite wedding. But it wasn't this. This was, ooh, ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I i really feel like we have not uh you know we we didn't just start the story now we we have jumped in with both feet and we are running at full steam right, right. off the bat right right i think that's the intention too is i think the the longer form stories are going to be pretty much the meat of it um i suspect the the books are kind of the central um hub of all of this that's going on um 
what I did find interesting was seeing the little nuggets of what's been uh, placed before. Now, obviously, Estony was the uh, little girl at the beginning of this book, but Fa- uh, what was her name? Fala, Fala, Falafax, Falamix? I don't remember her name. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, the gal that was... The, the, yeah. the professor. Yeah, the one that was... She is from the planet that was judged in that first short story that we got from the uh, email, right? Oh. I'm pretty sure that that was the name of that planet from... Uh, what was that called? What was that uh, little short story called? I don't remember what it was. Na- what was named? So I, I have to say that for I, I was very very glad that we got the the dawn um, the dawn of the Cotera. <laughs> there you go. That was going to drive one. me crazy if okay. I didn't find that dawn of the Cotera. I didn't make that connection that that's that was who that was. Well, it, it's but not it's not that, that it, gal, I, but it's that was her homeworld. It's not the gal right. that that made uh, contact with them when they arrived, but she was from that homeworld. I right. believe I believe that's now the that same. Now that you say that, I think you're right. Yeah, I believe that was the name of that world. I'm very glad that we had Dawn of the of the Katara. Yeah, me too. Um, in a way, it uh, it it acted as a very nice preface to this book and kind of gave you just enough foreknowledge that hitting the ground and running wasn't necessarily hitting the wall and not knowing what was going on. Uh-huh. It almost could have been a prologue to the book itself. Yeah, very easily. And I wonder maybe if it wasn't designed in part that way, that maybe they, I don't, I don't remember if anybody has the specs on it in front of them. I don't, but I don't remember who wrote that short. James Goss wrote the short. Oh, James Goss wrote the short. Yeah. So. And then, um, Oh, what was the guy's name on this one? Uh, Steve Cole. Yeah, Steve, Steve Cole. Wrote Cole. This. Um, and and not that they you know maybe didn't write that in t- tandem. You know that James Goss probably has an outline in a Bible for this whole thing that everybody's going by as oh, they're sure. putting their materials together. So it certainly could have been one inspiring the other or one you know springboarding the other one as well. So and so far that Bible is held together uh, a, a lot better than oh the most recent Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> We're still early on. <laughs> Fallomax, that was her name. Fallomax. Um, I, I with the names a bit. In yeah, it, they, well, they, names. bit of a challenge, especially the, uh, the one ambassador, which I'm going to go on naming him as the ambassador because his name, <laughs> even looking at it, I have difficulty trying to pronounce that name. Um, yeah. I really like the 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 the, the concept. Uh, well, let me let me let me back up. The star of this book is Brian the Ood. <laughs> he is my all-time favorite character in this story. But yeah, yeah. I really really like the idea of the Doctor coming across what you know uh, appears to be a Wild West um, you know snake oil salesman uh, traveling medicine show you know, appearance and uh, suspecting that early on and then thinking that he's been proven wrong only to be proven right by Brian later when he shoots Estony. Um, I think it was a neat reveal because I was going down that road as well uh, that the doctor was going down is that this was a sham and they were just pushing these, these uh, uh, life shrouds to these people 
And then, you know, when it actually, they put on the show and it actually works for her, and the doctor's almost convinced that, oh, they, they are, and they drop that little line that, it, well, it's the, 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 the trick is they are real, but the crystals won't, they won't get the crystals in time to charge those in order to run the suits, and so it is a sham. That was a nice little bait and switch back and forth that, that, that kept me guessing. I really appreciate when they can do that, where I'm, I'm convinced of one thing, then they convinced me another the thing, and then convinced me that I was right the first time, but I fell for the the second, you know, bait and switch. I like when they are able to do that. Yeah, um, I really I, I like Estony a lot as a character. It's it's unfortunate that her and Falomax spoilers have to <laughs> have to uh, meet their demise at the end. But I think that that's the that's what makes it believable enough that that's the driving force or the or the the straw that broke the camel's back with ten kind of you know going full time Lord Victorious. I think it's almost needed in order to convincingly push him to that limit because they you know the series had peppered that in but never really went full bore with it, and so I like that this series is going full bore and the setup for it is really good and pairing him with an unlikely partner in Brian the Ood is very cleverly done because I think Brian can be played for sort of comedy even though everything that he's doing is dead serious but it the, the writer's able to bring some levity to it in a lot of the things or the statements that Brian makes and I, I think that helps the book along as well because it gets into some really dark territory eventually and so I think even Brian being an assassin which in itself is a really you know kind of dire thing um, turning it on its ear and making it a, a, a more of a fun whimsical different part I, I, I think I, I say fun. That's a stretch. He's not a fun part, but he's fun to read. It's fun to read his line. It's fun to read the things that he says and then the, the rationale, the reasoning that he comes up for things. So well, well and he's so a well written. Ludicrous character because you know he's an ood who's an assassin in a tux. In a tux, in a tux <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all I'm, these unlikely combinations of things that you don't expect, and then who may or may not have uh, some sort of split psyche damaged personality yeah well because he keeps referring to his hind brain uh uh enclosure as mr ball (laughs) which i had a little bit of a problem with because i i i was trying to get into the voice of the characters as i as i read and i thought uh, the tenth doctor came across very well uh, and, and then this Ood shows up. So I, I kind of cast my mind back and started thinking of Ood episodes and went, okay, yeah, I got it. And then he would reference Mr. Ball and all I could think of was Mr. Hankey. And <laughs> I, 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 I heard, I heard Garrison through the whole book. I heard Mr. Garrison. <laughs> I'm sort of glad I didn't go there, but now I'm afraid anything I read with Brian, the Ood is going to be that now. <laughs> Uh, it, it took just the just a little bit of the luster off of him as a character. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, I, I I think that the the author very much has the tenth Doctor's voice in this. I think it, he's he's written very well. He's, he he has an understanding of the tenth Doctor. He has an understanding of how unhinged 
that the Tenth Doctor can be at times. Well, and that was something else that I really appreciated was the the, the little dropped references to Waters of Mars, uh-huh. which not only yeah. kind of helped solidify where in this time frame, uh, you know, not that we didn't know, but you know, it it was there. But it, it also kind of built on the Doctor's, why are you mucking about in the dark times anyway? Well, because the Ood gave him an expiration date. You know, he, he knew his, his quote-unquote, his song was, was ending. And I'm, no, I'm going to go, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and that was... Where Ood, now? That was Ood Sigma, is that right? Was that the name of the other Ood, the one that, that told right. him his song was ending? Mm-hmm. And, well, I like uh, the fact that... They as oh, of, they kind of walked him to the point of where he goes full time Lord Victorious. I kind of expected to be dropped in, and he's already going to be raging because of the events of Waters of Mars. But clearly, there's been some adventures in between there. Right, so I like the fact that they kind of built him back up to that. Like he's close to the edge, but he had backed off a little bit, and now he's getting pushed to it again. Yeah, and I yeah. think it, I think it was important to do that, and I think that that's where the uh, the uh, comic that we reviewed last week with the Tenth Doctor. I think that's another to me that it works, and and maybe it'll connect a little different later. But for me, it works well as that buffer between. I kind of feel like that incident probably happens post waters of mars too and so what it does is it kind of brings you down uh, a little bit of it gives a buffer so that they have a chance to ramp ramp back up when they get to this story and i think it was important to ramp up within this book and not drop us in uh right after you know uh, waters of mars him already having kind of tipped over the edge because i think it it it, again like i said earlier it's kind of sells it to me better as to what finally pushes him over um because we you know we get a little bit of that with the rack in um uh runaway bride uh donna pulls him off you know uh from that one and we get so we get a glimpse there, and then we get a real glimpse there at you know at, at the end of uh, Waters of Mars. But that that one backfires on him, and I think that that he yeah, he, he takes yeah from that alone. Right, right. So he takes he takes the approach of you know I I can do what I want now, Time Lord Victorious, and then it backfires on him. And from the narrative of the television series, he he learns from that, so you can go into. Uh, uh, you know, uh, end of time parts one and two with a different approach, but now sandwiching this in between it, they're obviously going to take his story in a different route before we end up back uh, at the end of the series. And so I'm really interested to see where they go. And I think that this one does a nice job of, of stepping that up, not just stepping it up, but in some ways escalating it. Cause we, we, we open with the doctor and yet he, he's, he's still haunted. In fact, he's probably a little more haunted than usual for the 10th doctor because of the events of waters of Mars. And as we go through this, um, which I'll, I'll be honest, I, even now I'm still kind of nebulous on what the Kodoroth, you know, how this works. They just show up and declare you to be dead and we're going to grant you this amount of time. And, you know, if I were to science it, it would be some sort of timed virus that kicks in and all of a sudden you now have an expiration date. Well, and they uh, reference, the doctor references it as a virus. And so that's how he, the end yeah. Of it too. Well, I just say yeah, that's, that's, that's where they, they land is they may, they give you kind of the scientific explanation for how they do it. And I, I kind of appreciate that being a doctor who story. Yeah, very much so. 
And um, I guess I'm still wondering on the, okay, so before the cutoff came, it was just everybody was immortal? The universe didn't really know death at this point? Regardless, it doesn't matter. As the doctor's exposed to this and gets indignant, and self-righteous about it and we see that through his relationship with the little girl and how he kind of especially when he broods you know when he, when he locks himself away in the lab and he's brooding and he, he's he, he's getting more and more frustrated and we go full-on genesis of the daleks with it have i the right and he's echoing those words and those sentiments and but yet he's still the doctor so okay we're gonna give him a choice which was something i didn't expect I really kind of figured when, when you name your overarching event Time Lord Victorious, I wasn't expecting to still get a lot of my doctor moments in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That he's still the doctor. Um, but he, he was, and he kind of gradually ramped up to it until they pissed him off. And then it became, okay, family of blood. <laughs> the clothes yeah. are coming off. I'm yeah. locking you in a mirror, and that's the end of it. Um, and I loved the you know, dressing for the occasion and showing up in full bat. And I mean, of, of all the doctors, 10 in the robes, he's really mad. <laughs> I mean, he's really gone off the deep end. He, yeah. He's borderline unhinged at this point. Well, that, I just think that's, I think that's the point is I think he is unhinged at this point. I don't think that it's just an angry doctor. I think it yeah. is a, I think it's an angry doctor that's been pushed too far. And I think it's an angry doctor that has just come off of not long off of the time war as well. I mean, because he's only had one incarnation in between. He has not had the experience uh, of, uh, well, he, he, he won't know ever except for in the moment that he, you know, basically stopped the time war from actually be or the, from not really. How he stopped the time war was not right. how he believed, so he's not there yet. So, um, yeah, it's just I, I think this is a this is not only an angry, but it, it is a, it is an unhinged doctor at this point. Um, back to something you had said earlier, I believe from what the way it implies from that first chapter is that uh, people died, but it was very rare and infrequent. And in fact, I think it was people that had died through accident but not age because he does visit that right. one uh temple on andalian andala where they they revere the people that that have passed so we do know that there is death but there i don't think there is like a a finite like i don't think there's an age you don't age to death right and i wondered if if andala was kind of maybe the exception as opposed to the rule that their species just was that long lived well that, that could be too have that could be a too. cemetery on it but I you know, as i say regardless it, it it didn't uh, you know I'll, I'll i'll go along quite happily not quite knowing how it works i'm fine with it so. <laughs> i mean i think they pretty much go straight out and say there was no death i mean obviously there was some but you know there's no illness. There's really no growing old. So yeah. pretty much everyone does live forever until these guys come along and shorten your life. Right. See, I guess maybe it's my, my, my science brain starts to try and pick at that thread on the sweater. And I don't want to because, okay, it's the dark times and the universe is new and we don't really know death because there isn't sickness and all this other stuff. But we have spaceships. We have these these races that have already claimed to have been alive for thousands of years. We have, you know, so there's there's obviously some advance. There's obviously some technology. There's obviously some of this. 
but you haven't hit death yet. You haven't hit disease. I mean, we've got war, we've got greed. We've already, you know, those, those were well, uh, we, we have mercenaries that are willing to be hired out. All of those things are present, but yeah. there's no real death. That to me just seems like it's a weird kind of dichotomy. But for purposes of the story, I'm suspending pulling on that thread because I don't need to worry about it. Yeah, see, I think that's why I think that's why I because of those examples, that's why I tend to believe that you can be killed. There is death, but it's not it's not like a finite like you don't let's see. So like in war there's casualties. People die. If they have an accident and you die, but you don't die from old age. You live for thousands of years. And I don't get the impression that there's a lot of war happening, although you're right. They do set it up. In fact, um, Shalskull uh, is the example of greed here because he's hired these mercenaries to get these suits and he's not even telling his home world that he's an ambassador for. Um, so yeah, there is that. And I can, so I do understand where you're coming from about, you know, and, and there's no death, but I, I just, I kind of rationalized it in my head that it, well, there's no death, there's no age. You don't. You don't age. You know. You you go on as long as you don't have an accident or somebody doesn't kill you. And I think that's the, that was the intention of of Andala having a, a tomb that had a few people that had passed. So I think Andalan is probably the far end of the scale of this. Of they're a peaceful society, so therefore nobody has really ever died. Right. Right. So it's it's one end of the scale of what death is at this time period, as opposed to everybody dying. It's this is the peaceful race that hardly anyone has died. Right, and they've gone on for millennia because of that. Yes, I agree. I agree. It almost makes you wonder if we hadn't already seen another segment of this story that featured uh, young Rassilon. If perhaps maybe the Time Lords weren't the architects of this whole affair, <laughs> that this was how they meddled. In other races that, you know, mm. I wouldn't put it past them if that happened to wind up being the end game, I guess. It, oh, I see what you're probably, saying. It's yeah. probably not, but. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying not to presume where they'll go with this because sometimes when I presume uh, where something might be going, then I can be let down because my expectations have been built up. So I try not to. No. I just, I kind of just try to, <laughs> I just kind of try to go along for the ride anymore. What'd you guys think of the interludes? Oh, those were neat. In fact, I, that was the other thing that I like is that they're built. They built this around that grim fairy tale about the uh, was it a, was he a tailor? Taylor and his sons, and his thirteenth son. He asked, you know, death to be the godfather, and so the, telling pieces of that story as we went, setting the first interlude with the first doctor at the you know tribe of gum and. Barber relaying that story to him, I thought was a neat setup. It was almost like he didn't. That was a, that was a story he didn't know that Barbara told him that taught him, and he carried that with him. And part of that philosophy from that story was a learning, was a lesson for him. Now I think he took, I think he took the wrong approach with the lesson. I think he got the wrong the thing wrong out message. of the lesson. Yeah, the wrong message out of the lesson. But I do like that they, they do that. And then we get nine in rows and the doctor conveying that story to her. And then we get, I believe, it's eight and Brian, which will be interesting to see how that works out. <laughs> uh, but yeah. eight, eight, eight is relating that to Brian in that particular uh, 
interlude that they're doing there. So I like how they built on that story as they went. I like how it kind of changed a little bit too, um, where the gender of the uh, child changed as well at one point. I thought it was interesting too. Mm-hmm. And then there was the end. <laughs> you know, I went through most of the book and was like, okay, this is fun. This is enjoyable. All right. I wasn't gonna getting I wasn't going to give it huge dun dun duns or big stars or anything until we reached the end and that ending made the entire ride worth it. <laughs> I'm like, not there's I, nothing I, wrong I, with it. It was just it was an okay middle of the road pack book until the ending. I, I, I have to agree. That ending sealed the golden bow tie, as it were, if we were to to do a deep cut callback. <laughs> I'm gonna and okay. I'm going to Maybe disagree. Not. I'm going to disagree and agree because I think this whole book was incredible, and I think that Sean says it better that this it, this secures the gold bow tie for it because <laughs> uh, I en- I thought this book was well written. This book was w- well told. Um, you in- invest invests a lot in its characters. Um, it gets everything about the Tenth Doctor right, especially beyond Waters of Mars, and then the icing on the cake or the cherry on top of this whole thing, is the finale of it. And to show how far off the, the, the platform he's gone is that when his other selves show up <laughs> in such <laughs> incredulous company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I would like to think that normally, under, under given any normal day run-of-the-mill cheating death circumstances... If the Tenth Doctor suddenly encountered a previous incarnation who was working with the Daleks and said, you've got it wrong, you got to stop, that he would go, oh, now, wait a minute, there's probably something to this. Or if his other self showed up with the great vampires and said, eh, you might want to rethink this one. We know what you're trying to do, and it, it, it doesn't work out the way you think it will. Okay, yeah, we should probably, wow, this, this must be serious. To have both of them show up... <laughs> And instead of having that reaction, give us the, uh, the, 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 the Star Trek best of both worlds ending, <laughs> Mr. Worf fire da, 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 to be continued. I mean, come on. Yeah. I, I, th- I going just a slight step further than that. I think that we, I, I think you're right. When eight shows up with Daleks that 10 might go, okay, maybe there's something to this, but I think, <laughs> When nine shows up with vampires, to me that's the that's the unforgivable. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so I think that uh, I think I think you get to Did that. Did you not I... read that in the TARDIS? There's a whole book that's <laughs> right there. It's like Directive One. Exactly. Kill vampires. <laughs> exactly. So I get to that. I get to that point there, and but then you're right to put those two together is like what? <laughs> the other great thing about that. It makes me really excited to a finish Monstrous Beauty and then b get to the Eighth Doctor Dalek audio stories to see how they're gonna how you know how these two characters got to this point. Yeah, it got me more excited about the overall Time Lord Victorious series as a whole than anything so far. I agree, and I, I hope that that's I hope they go there with that. I mean, I hope they go full blown and and get. I hope they both of those end with a setup for this because I think if they don't I think this series this overarching event kind of fails because the one thing that yeah. I'm most concerned about are the is that Doctor Who magazine 
article talking about how all of these can be, you know, enjoyed on their own, but then you realize how they connect in the bigger picture. Well, to me, that kind of statement is all of these are standalone stories with little threads that connect. But for this particular setup, I think you almost need those stories to end in such a way that they can lead directly into this. And so I hope that's where they go with it. Well, I mean, if you look at that statement, what they made on the surface, it's obviously a lie because while well, this story is good, you, you can enjoy it on its own, but it has a cliffhanger. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Story. So you, I, I can only assume that, yeah, if you don't mind a cliffhanger, you can enjoy each of these stories on their own. Yeah, but you can almost forgive this one because there are two books. And so you could, yeah. you, you, you could fudge it and say, okay, well, well, two two books are one aspect of this story. Uh, but I think you're right. I think they I think they kind of fudge the truth a little bit. And I think I think they do. I think all of these stories can be enjoyable on their own. This story was still very enjoy. At least for me, it was very enjoyable on its own. Um, the the bonus is the fact that we get the big cliffhanger. Um, but. I think that the the uh, uh, all of the stories that, that we've looked at so far, and there hasn't been a lot, they can stand by themselves as decent stories. But I think they all do connect a lot more than than James Goss was leading on in that article. Especially, I think these big tentpole ones with eight and nine and ten. Certainly, yeah. Now the Titan comics and the Escape Room and that sort of thing. Yeah, those are tertiary tie-ins because they're going to tie into the the dark times yeah um yeah speaking of dark times yeah should we move on to guide of the dark times guide to the dark times excuse me with your guide of the dark times <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> this was a nice refresher yeah, i don't imagine you have a uh a uh synopsis for this one <laughs> no i don't um, I I like that the first part of it is set up by the Thirteenth Doctor, and then the actual article itself is uh, written by Melody Malone. I thought that was pretty cool, uh, bringing yeah. River River into this in, in such a way that was it's very much in line with her character and her personas as Melody Malone. Malone, um, I think works really well. It made me wonder, and again, I'm putting way too much thought into this, but it made me wonder if River wasn't going to at some point show up in this big overarching story. The fact that she presents the information as if, oh yeah, the dark times been there, done that a couple of times, even though it's the, oh no, 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 we don't go to the dark times. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the cloister well, bell the rings. If we go to the dark times, yeah, the they're going to go to the dark times because they say, oh no, 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 we don't go to the dark times. It's river. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's the way I look at it is I, I think she has probably popped in and out of the dark times more than once, um, but unconnected to this because it's very much in line with River's character. And as a character who chronicles the Doctor's life, it totally makes sense that she would write this and this would be a great way to incorporate the character into it without actually having to insert her into any stories. Yes, absolutely. That's true, too. Um, I think what the other thing this this article does is it um, it really does put together kind of a, a rogues gallery of what species and what people uh, 
come from the dark times. This is a, we, we, we've heard over 50 years of, you know, these different entities and, and different species that, that, you know, lived in the dark times. Uh, and, and But I like how it steps through each one and says, hey, hey, remember these guys? <laughs> the Eternals, yep, they're from the dark times. The Ragnos, guess what? They're from the dark times. The <laughs> sirens, yep, from the dark times. So I I liked that, and I I like how it uh, even sort of uh, weaves in um, retroactively the cholera in this, and how each species interacted or avoided the uh, the cholera yeah. at the time. I thought was really well done, including the vampires, which really, if I were if I were to be complaining the, the idea that the vampires cut a deal and that they would assist off the other species and be left alone. Well, that to me diminishes the vampires. And you guys know I have this great affinity for the great vampire story. That's just, you know, they're that cool. But I don't know, maybe I'm reading more into that because obviously with the cutter being from some sort of external void pocket dimension thing, the vampires probably couldn't feed on them anyway. So maybe I'm making more out of that uh, th- that deal than what's actually there. Well, yeah, and it, that that particular patch is, passage starts with the only race too powerful for the Cotter to touch. So it doesn't diminish the vampires in such a way that they they would have been vulnerable to death. But I think the idea is that the vampires let the Cotter kind of do their thing. And the and the Katara kind of let the vampires do their thing. I think that's the. I think it's more of an unspoken agreement that that, that yeah. the Katara the Katara oh, okay. the, the yeah. did not include the vampire in their grand design because they're you know they they continue to live forever. So I'm with you. Yeah, I see. It's almost kind of like they're both equals, so yeah. they reached a stalemate and came to some sort of agreement. Yes. That's the way I took it. mention how uh, it wasn't the the terms weren't too great for the vampires. Right. I'll buy that. That makes me happy. I can live with that. Um, I do like uh, the 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 the, uh, we get a little more backstory on the demons that they actually went to war with the Cotter and were almost uh, wiped out. All but the one. All but as all, as all, and and the Gallifreyans that kind of stay away from that (laughs) for the most part. But they weren't yet Time Lords who could cheat death. That's another story. <laughs> um, and I, I'm with you, Sean. I, prior to the show, we were talking about the uh, figures that they're releasing. Uh, Eagle Moss is, is uh, releasing in, in conjunction with this. And after reading this piece on the Dalek Empire and the individual uh, uh, different Daleks, Dalek types, I, I too think that, that I'm even more excited about getting these these pieces, especially if they're very much in line with uh these these uh description and pictures that they have in the in the back of this. So which ones are we getting? Are which figures are uh the commander the strategist, the scientist and the emperor, the ones I know for a okay. fact. And then I think that the the other set of figures is uh Time Lord Victorious Ten and Brian the Ood. I think those are the other figures. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. <laughs> All right, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule, we have more Time Lord Victorious action for you. 
Uh, our plan next week includes uh, the Doctor Who comic maker, which features Tales of the Dark Times, a episode one and two. And then a couple of uh, big finish audios, some short trips. We're going to do uh, Master Thief and Lesser Evils. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, all of that should be out and available now for you at home as well. That is correct. In fact, uh, Master Thief and Lesser Evils came out, I think, middle of last week. So that'll put us up to date for now. Keith, just an addendum here. I'm looking at the uh, thing here, and all of those Daleks will be available as figures. Oh, okay. Yeah, each one of them. So so there may be a couple more box sets to invest in then. Uh, three, yeah, there, there's four total. And three of those sets are two of each of the Daleks. So, very cool. Soon soon my Dalek army will be complete. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, be sure to check out the website, TravelingVortex.com, for any updates on the podcast while you're there. Be sure to read uh, Jamie's uh, review of Season 1. He has gone back and he is reviewing... Uh, at least for now, he's uh, going back and he's reviewed the first Doctor era for the first season of the uh, entire show. Um, he's got some thoughts and considerations on that, so be sure and check that out. Uh, you can then engage with him and us in our listeners forum on Facebook, so make sure that you join there. You can find a link on our Facebook page. Uh, just go there and be sure you join up there and engage in the conversation. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not put some value back into it? You can do that uh, by clicking on the Patreon link on our website. Consider supporting us. Thank you for those that already are. And uh, please consider giving us a five-star review from whatever uh, uh, place you subscribe to this podcast. Uh, That certainly helps bump us up in the ratings and recommendations for other listeners. And uh, you can give us a little review there, too, as well. Anything else that we need to touch on before we close this one out, guys? Just a reminder, if you are so inclined, that you can feel free to visit our other endeavors or sister podcasts. Uh, We do uh, Tardis Sauce in conjunction with Sci-Fi for Me, and you can find that over on the YouTube channel. And then, uh, of course, I have Flicks with Friends if you're into movie reviews. Shameless (laughs) self-promotion. That's okay. And if you enjoyed uh, reading a Doctor Who book, there's a Doctor Who Traveling the Vortex book club over on Goodreads oh, yeah? that you can go join. They choose a book, and you can read it and discuss it with them every month. In fact, I think some of the uh, Time Lord Victoria stuff has been on the polls recently to vote on. So, All right. Well, if that's going to do it, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.